Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Rock For Him podcast. I'm Jeremy, your host, and with me is my good buddy Jason Sanchez-Bikoski. How's it going, Jay? I'm doing alright. Doing alright. Tired, but I'm here. <laughs> and the newest member of our crew, Mr. James Robert from the band Keeper of the Flame. How's it going, man? Good, man. Thank you for having me on. Oh, we're, we're excited. Well, our guest for tonight is a re- returning guest. We've got Mr. Ash Rulesser. Of not only Relesser, but also Autumn Descent. How's it going, Ash? It's going. Glad to be here. We're glad to have you back. So absolutely. Uh, so what's going on? What's what's new in the, the world of Relesser? Well, Relesser played some show. We put a new record out. Uh, I think we were talking about that new record last time I was on here. It is now out. It came out in June. Uh, debuted at Kingdom Come Festival and did very well. Got a lot of early great reviews uh band played a couple of shows in support of it and immediately stopped like put the brakes on our um bass player has had some health issues and he went and had uh bariatric surgery and is recovering from that and he gets married in about three weeks so yeah we had to put all the brakes on hold for we were offered probably a dozen shows uh after audio feed and uh kcf and we had to hit pause on everything until after all of this so we'll, we'll be returning to the stage here in december and january that's usually when we hibernate into the studio and then work on new music until May and then come hit the normal summer concert series. But I think we're itching to get out and play. So we're going to go out and do as much as we can, as many shows as we can here in the spring, winter and spring. Nice. Yep. Oh, also, we have a new video. Um, yes, our song yes. Wasteland featuring Theo Terran. Uh The video for that comes out this Friday, October 20th. It's going to debut at nine o'clock Eastern time on YouTube. And we'll have uh, members of Relesser and Theoterran and Firebrand present because uh, the next day is Pit Fest. And the yep. guys of Firebrand are all crashing at my studio. And uh, so, and Josiah is the guy that directed and edited the, the video. So he'll be on hand. So we're going to do a live Q&A after the video premieres and uh, it'll be a lot of fun. So that that's the next song to go to radio and streaming and everywhere is wasteland featuring theo Terran. probably my favorite song on the record to be honest with you i think it's mine too yeah uh, it's definitely a fantastic song <laughs> yeah i remember so, but, seeing you guys play it at kcf yeah yeah it was the last song we played on stage yep. so and to have the the group from theo here and there that was really killer to be able to do that song live so a lot of fun we we love theo Terran around here <laughs> yeah we I, I'm a little partial to him too, but I, I might be biased. <laughs> <laughs> right. So uh, why don't you, last time we had you on, we didn't really talk much about your music. We got a lot into the ministry, which is fantastic. But why don't you tell us a little bit about your music? <laughs> like you... How many, you know, how many discs do you have out? Oh my Where gosh. can they find it? Just, what do you guys got going on? Because I know people love your music. You were on the top 15 forever. And I mean, I know everyone here on the show loves your music. So thank you. Yeah, uh, the, we had uh, In Between Worlds on your charts for gosh months. Yeah. It, it didn't seem to fall off. So that song is, uh, we released it a year ago next week. And I think it was on your charts for six or nine months or something like that. So what an honor. But uh, now we're going to ask you to go ahead and put Wasteland into rotation and see if see if anybody bites. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> you know, let's, let's try that out. 
Um, Relester's been around. Oh gosh, but uh, to get into Relester and, and and how many albums and things like that, I need to actually go back further. In 1995, yeah, I'm that old. Uh, I was in college, and I had a there was a a radio station on the college campus, the main campus of Indiana Wesleyan University. And I was communications major at the time. Didn't graduate with that degree, but I was communications major at the time. And they had in the radio station old reel-to-reels to record commercials on digital technology. I mean, Windows 95 had just come out, okay? So this tech digital stuff was not really big yet. They had this big Tascam eight-track recorder. And I asked the station manager and my communications professor, I said, how many, how many bands have cut songs on that? And he said, nobody, we just use it for commercials. I said, well, you know, you can record songs on that. He's like, yeah, yeah right. I, I said, I, I want to record songs on that. Cause I was in a, in a band at the time and uh, my college band actually got pretty big for the, the time period. We were playing with um, uh, bride and, Disciple, imagine this. And when Disciple was brand new, they had just come out. Kevin Young and I are the same age. And uh, and I'm probably like 19, 20 years old about this time period. But for my uh, my project that year, I'd turn in a semester project in communications. I recorded an album in that college radio station and uh, had to do it at night. I'd, I'd lock myself in with my equipment, turn all the lights out, wait till security had gone by, then turn the lights back on and work all night long and then as the security opened the doors at six o'clock in the morning i get in trouble and then i i'd pulled an all-nighter and just go straight to class and, and things. but I, I did probably 20 or 30 sessions that way to be able to fill an album and it's horrible it's i mean i i, I i've got copies of it today that i just every once in a while i'll play a track off of it and go oh that oh that, that was <laughs> back then we had no pitch correction and i could not sing um, but I, I was singing because I couldn't get a vocalist to do what I heard in my head. And we didn't have the digital stuff that we do now to map it out and things like that. So I just became a vocalist out of necessity. But that that cassette album that I did under the name Autumn's Descent was my first one. Um, I actually went out on the road and uh, hung out with uh, the band's Guardian and Imagine This, if you remember them. So Guardian was on tour for their Buzz album. You guys aren't even giving me, you're like, this is way before my time. Okay, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> no, no, I'm loving it. Guardian, yeah. I'm yeah, sure. yeah. Uh, I used to drive Jamie Rowe nuts because I call it Guardian, <laughs> just, just, to, just to mess with him. So Jamie, Jamie's an awesome guy. He was super nice to me when I was on the road with them. And and um, I wasn't playing or anything. I just hang out. And I, I must have traveled, I must have done half the dates on that tour with those guys just going city to city. And what, get this, I'm not even a big Guardian fan. I, I could I could sing maybe three of their songs. <laughs> I just, yeah, I was going from place to place and um, they, they would happen to be in town that night. And I'm like, no way, I'm going. So, <laughs> and imagine this was the opening band and I knew those guys and brought them in to Indiana Wesleyan a couple of times. So Daryl Youngblood's, uh, he, he was actually a really positive influence on me back when I was a kid. So, oh yeah, all that stuff, I, I starting to develop Autumn's Descent. And it caught the attention of somebody in upstate New York. I was dating a girl from, from up there. And um, I had put a, a I, I had a friend that owned a club up there that booked our col my college band. 
and we played in the summer and then that fall I, I went back up to new york to to hang out with my girlfriend and uh the guy that owned the club said hey what, what what you got going right now and i showed him autumn's descent brand new 1996 and he says well cool i've got you booked for june something or other i said i i don't have a band for that it's just just me you know i said well find a band i got you booked for the state i'm like uh what if i don't show he's like dude you got a show i booked you <laughs> <laughs> I'm 20 years old. I'm like, I don't know any better. So I called into favors from other bands in the area that had played with us. And so I got bass player from this band. I got the drummer from that band and I got, you know, guitar player from that band. And they came in and halfway learned my music. And I did a really, really crappy gig under the name <laughs> Autumn's Descent for the first time in June or July, 1996, probably June. And uh, there was a guy in the audience who was from a management company and he signed me to a management deal go figure so next thing you know a couple years later i'm at bearsville recording studios in upstate new york which is uh, where metallica recorded injustice for all it's where ozzy did osmosis it's where uh dave matthews did crash you know all, all these big albums of the 80s and 90s were recorded there i walk in and there's just one platinum album after another along the walls and so we had a one-week lockout and uh we had the engineer that had worked on stabbing westwards with her blister burn and peel and i don't know if you guys know who stabbing westward is oh yeah huge influence of mine about that time period and they were big in 96 and uh and so we had that engineer and we're working on on autumn's descent but nobody seems to understand my vision for it so my vision was nine inch nails meets typo negative Mm. somewhere between goth and industrial overlapping and um by the time we got done with it I was kind of happy with where it was sounding. And I went back to Indiana where I was from and my manager went back in two days later and remixed the whole thing. Hmm. And what came out sounded like Dave Matthews. And I I was, (laughs) and then it went all over the country. (laughs) It went into music stores everywhere. And uh, I remember walking into a music store in Albany, New York, and they had it on a listening post. And I put my headphones on and the guy that was next to me listening to the same thing was wearing a tie dyed shirt that had the grateful dead bear on it. And he was digging it. And I'm like, no wrong audience. (laughs) It it was, it may as well have been the, I may as well have been playing country music or, you know, polka or anything else. That's a musician's worst nightmare is to have everybody like a song that you, or like a style of music that you didn't really, that's not your vision and you're forced to do it. That's, that's like every, I want, at the time, I wanted the fame. I wanted that popularity. I wanted to make money. I wanted to be a rock star, but I wanted to do it with my vision. And I think that was God's way of saying, ha ha, your focus is wrong. Mm-hmm. So, Absolutely. Yeah. It, it, you know, so we're going to send this out and give you a little taste of it, but it's not what you want. So your focus is wrong. Um, anyway, I, I managed to get most of the copies of that album recalled (laughs) (laughs) after threatening litigation to my manager you know because it wasn't the right vision and we went back to the drawing board and in 99 i ended up moving up to new york again girl and i had split we split in 96 the girl and i did and um it was a massive heartbreak for me i I'd, i'd been in a serious relationship in high school it didn't turn out well this girl I wanted to marry. I dated her when I was in college and she lived in New York. I lived in Indiana. I wanted to marry her so bad. She's a couple of years younger than me. Um, I think I was her first serious boyfriend. And uh, 
I put her in a place that God should have occupied in my life. Uh, put, I started identifying my self-worth based off how, how she saw me, as opposed to wrapping it up in God. Anytime you do that, and God has laid a claim to your life, like I believe he's got on mine, he's going to try to creatively mo- remove obstacles that stand between you and him. Mm-hmm. And he did that for me. And it was very painful. A lot of the people that I'd placed on pedestals in my life around that time were falling off those pedestals. And so uh, God started removing everything from my life that I held in, you know, placed as a security. So after that, I had nothing left to turn to but God. I think that was his goal. But I did so out of pain. I was, yeah. I was God, how could you let this happen? She was the one. I knew how to process fun. I knew how to process joy. I knew how to process um, anger and, and things like that. I did not know how to process grief. Yeah. And so when that relationship died, I felt like a part of me died. And I started questioning who I was. And that questioning process should have been all of about two days before I would have turned to go, like Jonah and the whale, you know, two, maybe three days. And okay, God, I'm, I'm yours. You know, no, it took me five years. Yeah. I'm questioning who I was off and on. And I started dating other girls, you know, a few months later, but I always compared them back to that one girl because she was the one I wanted to marry. And uh, I didn't know how to process grief. So I wrote three albums about it. That's how I dealt with grief was to write albums. So Autumn's Descent had transformed when it first came together. The first album that I wrote in that recording studio or the the radio station at uh, IWU was a love song album. It was all poppy love songs and things like that that I'd written to my girlfriend. Mm. And then after that relationship uh, broke up, my focus shifted dramatically. Uh, Right about that time, grunge was uh, nearing its end. Kurt Cobain had died. Uh, it was starting to, the music scene was starting to shift into like Limp Biscuit and rap rock and things like that. And I wasn't quite sure what I liked anymore. I'd grown up cutting my teeth on hair metal. I, I got interested in music due to hair metal. Um, big Striper fan growing up in the 80s, that kind of thing. Uh, loved some Metallica and Megadeth. Learned to, started learning to play guitar with that. When Nirvana came out, it was a step backwards for me. Because back when I was a kid, when I was 13, 14, 15 years old, in order to make it in music, you had to be a virtuoso on your instrument. And you had to be the best of the best. So Nirvana comes out and the guy's so stoned on heroin, he can barely play three chords. And that's cool. And I'm, I'm listening to Smells Like Teen Spirit and I'm going, I used to write songs like that when I was 13, when I was first learning how to play. I would write songs like that. That takes no skill at all. So I really hated grunge because it took the the technicality out of music that I liked. So instead of going grunge, I went into like dream theater. I went yeah. I went full progressive music, like dream theater, Yes, Rush, uh, that kind of stuff, and played in a band that sounded kind of like I was trying to make it sound like dream theater meets Queensrÿche in college, and it sounded like a bunch of eighteen to twenty one year olds goofing off is what it sounded like, trying to pretending you know wannabes, but. You know, we had some fun. We, we went on tour and that kind of thing and, and did our thing. But um, uh, as that girl broke up with me, one of the last things she said, she's a couple of years younger than me, she says, I can't stand 80s music. I can't stand 80s hair metal or anything like that. And then you epitomize that. And I can't stand you kind of a, it, she was really mean. It was a bad breakup and it seemed to come out of nowhere. So I said, well, I don't want to be something that's rejected and hated. 
so I, and I, this really easy 25 years later to come back or 27 years later to come back and look at this in hindsight and go, well, that's what I was doing. But back, back then I couldn't see the forest for the trees, but I stopped listening to all of the stuff I loved. I stopped listening to Def Leppard and Poison and Bon Jovi and Striper. I loved all those bands. You guys listen to any of those at all? Yep, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't listen to them for a year. It was over a decade, maybe two decades before I started listening to any of those bands again. Instead, I dove headlong into Nine Inch Nails, Circle of Dust, Clank, uh, Staves Acre, um, Leader Dogs for the Blind, Typo Negative. I started going deep down that rabbit hole into industrial stuff. Front, front 242, Frontline Assembly, um, Icebreaker, you know, just into some deep stuff that um got into the you know i could never really get into kfd kmfdm but i loved their scene kind of a thing yeah so when the matrix came out i was like oh this is my movie you know this is my genre right blade comes out i'm like a little gory but it's my it's my still my scene underworld comes out as a movie i'm like this is me this is my genre right here i feel at home here and so then I would go and try to write an Autumn's Descent record that would sound like it belongs in Underworld, and it would still sound too, too hair metal-y. It would still sound too rock. <laughs> I've been rejected by fixed records like two or three times because it was too rock-based, you know? <laughs> it was on their label for a while, but it was <laughs> it was not electronic enough. It was, I just have too much rock in my blood. Mm-hmm. So Autumn's Descent puts out Dead Letters, our first full-length album. Uh, we, we did a couple of in, a few independent releases um between 1996 and in the year 2003 went up to new york put lineup together toured started doing stuff uh, we played with stained of all people remember the band stained oh yeah back when their first album came out called mud shovel their very very first song was on the radio they weren't even popular yet yeah. we opened for them at uh, a club up in uh, latham new york albany new york area they had no i mean they were just coming out, just getting their first song on the radio. And I thought that was kind of fun that later on, I was like, oh, hey, <laughs> I know that I met that guy. That was, that was pretty cool. So, yeah, but um, no, we, we did some shows up in, in New England and uh, um, I put out an album called Dead Letters and I, I did it myself and it was digital. It was the first digital album I'd ever done. Um, did it at home, learning how to do it. And I didn't really know what I was doing, hated the production on it, but it sold. It sold a lot. And um, it's out of print now. I, I hated the production so much that once once digital distribution came around, I pulled it from digital distribution. I wouldn't, wouldn't let it go out. Um, so there are only about uh, a few thousand CDs that are made, and I have maybe a dozen of them unopened, but the rest of them are out in circulation somewhere. And I've seen some really crazy prices. I've seen it for like man two dollars somewhere i just see it if you're listening <laughs> yeah there have actually been some ebay auctions where it goes for a hundred bucks for the the cdus i'm like really I, I you know if you really want one that bad send me an email i'll you know but it, it's horrible it's horrible i was never happy with the never happy with the production and i decided to to scrap it so but i went through several lineup changes in autumn's descent the one thing that's always been consistent is me I'm I'm the main songwriter. I'm the vocalist. I play 90% of the instruments in the studio, uh, that kind of thing. And then I put a lineup together and go play live. I tried to make it a band two or three times um, with marginal success. I learned a few very important lessons about why you should never have non-believers in the band. 
even if they say they'll be respectful. <laughs> so you learn that the hard way, but we did that, the dead letters tour. And on that tour, we opened for a band called cell dweller. Uh, Rob James is nodding his head. He knows. Yep. Jeremy, you know who cell dweller is? Yep. Clayton from circle of dust. So yep. Clayton was probably the biggest musical influence on my career. Um, kind of an awkward, I mean, if he was, to, he would know who I am today um, by name, but he, he'd probably roll his eyes because <laughs> he's always, Clayton's always looked at me as a fanboy, you know, following him around like this, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but uh, yeah, even the, the shows that we were doing together, he just kind of kept his distance and, I mean, he was a very different person back then than he is today. Today, he's very warm and open and will go up and shake hands and hang out with people and smile and ask them about themselves. But um, he was very much not that person when I was on tour with him. And I was I was not very, I was socially awkward myself, so I didn't know really how to ever go up to him and say, hey, dude, I dig your stuff. Uh, check out some of my stuff. I'd love to learn from you. Uh, Brett, the guy from Bulu Stali, showed up at Clayton's doorstep one day with a every, with a suitcase or something like that, and said, "I'm your new intern." And Clayton said, "You're what?" He said, and Brett said, "I'm your new intern. Um, I want you to teach me everything you know, and I want to work for you." And Clayton said, "I think he said no, if the story goes correctly." He said no for at first, and then Brett just kind of stayed on the doorstep, wouldn't go away <laughs> until Clayton said, "All right, come on in." And, and once I heard that story, I'm like, wait, that was an option. I could have done that. <laughs> Back before I was married, I would have showed up at his doorstep with a suitcase. I, dude, teach me, you know. <laughs> but uh, no, I, we, we did uh, a handful of shows with Cell Dweller, and it was an awesome thing. And being a, a Circle of Dust fan, I'd asked the lineup that was in Autumn's Descent at the time. I said, you know, I found out that Clayton's not going to play any Circle of Dust songs on this tour. And that's where most of his fan base is from, is Circle of Dust. This is his first tour as Cell Dweller. I said, what do you say we play an Autumn's Descent version of a Circle of Dust song in our set list, just to rile the crowd up? And so I let the, the I was hoping somebody go for DV8 or, you know, Prayers of a Dead Man or something like that. No, right. they went for Telltale Crime. And I'm like, oh, okay, the easy one. You know, all right, whatever. So they went for that one. It's an all right song, but I always thought it was too monotonous. So I said, let me write another riff to add into it and change it up a little bit. So we did our version of the song and we went on that tour. And every night, the last song that we would play before we would end the stage would be Telltale Crime. And I'd do the thing from his video and everybody go nuts as they heard the riff. And so the, the audiences that were mainly Circle of Dust fans there to see Cell Dweller just went nuts over Autumn's Descent playing that song. And I'll never nice. forget the first the first night that we did that we're at a place called gabe's oasis in Ohio, iowa and there are a handful of people that might listen to your podcast that might have been there this is 2003 or 2004 i don't remember but we're we're out there at this place gabe's oasis is probably seats 400 people or something max and the place is packed and uh we get up there and we start playing telltale crime and we didn't tell clayton we were going to do that so as we're as it's going the tour manager looks me from the back of the uh, of the uh, of the room. I could see him from the back of the room. And he he does one of these, <laughs> and I see him leave the room. When he comes back, thirty or forty five seconds later, he's dragging Clayton into the room, and he puts him in the center of the back of the room. And Clayton just stands there like this with his arms crossed, <laughs> chin up, 
like what are you doing <laughs> but as soon as the song ended and the audience is just going nuts okay as soon as the song ended the the audience parted like the red sea clayton went straight up the middle reached up and shook my hand and he said that song has never sounded so good wow and I, I, my wife was with me on tour at the time. I turned her and said, I could die now. <laughs> so, but Autumn's Descent was, was um, tour support for Cell Dweller for a few shows and uh, really enjoyed that. And one of the shows that they played was in Terrible Haute, Indiana. That's what we called it, Terrible Haute. It's Terrible Haute, Indiana. <laughs> and uh, the, Autumn's Descent couldn't make it. We had members of the band had some kind of, of um, uh, obligation they couldn't make. So uh, I'm there with cell dweller just hanging out and one of the bands that's uh playing that night is a band called the birthday massacre has anybody here heard of them yep yep so they are on tour for their first album as the birthday massacre it's an album called it was an ep called violet they just changed their name from nothing and nowhere or whatever they called themselves beforehand they had the nothing and nowhere album out before as under the i don't remember violet had just come out it's independent and I remember going up to Shibi and, and um, uh, oh, what is his name? I'm drawing a blank. Um, Falcor and the other guy. Oh, the guy that writes at Rainbow. He calls himself Rainbow. Uh, I went up to, to Shibi and Rainbow and Falcor, and, I, and they're just kind of standing there like this. And they look like high school kids. They really do at this point. And I went up to them and I said, so are you guys local to, to Terre Haute? And Shibi looks at me kind of disgusted and says, we're from Toronto. Canada? Yeah. Toronto, Canada, you know, they were on tour. So they, they, they're the first band on stage and they get up and they start with the song blue and it just tore the roof off of the place. And it was, I'd never heard anything sound like them before at all. I mean, they weren't even done with the first song. I'm over at the merch booth buying the EP, you know, and I played that thing all the way home, but yeah, I, I really wish we could have played that show. <laughs> I would have loved to have said, we not only play with cell Dweller, we play with the birth of Asker, but those, I mean, you want to talk about there's the vision I had for Autumn's Ascent is that genre. There it is. So I, it was, it was really cool to, to, to be part of that growing up in the night or in the going up in the, the early 2000s and seeing what happened from the Matrix, you know, to here. As the goth scene, industrial scene started to die down in the early 2000s, Autumn's Ascent started to go a little bit more rock again. And so we put out, uh, an album called uh well an ep called primer and because i'd worked with uh clayton or worked uh, or toured with cell dweller i managed to score some um uh connections to some of the people that he worked with so we went to detroit and worked with grant mormon grant um if you don't know that name he was the engineer on a couple of filter albums if you remember the band filter oh yeah so the one that the the, the big album that uh, hey night hey man nice shot and then the album yep. after that do you want to take my picture he was the engineer on those albums oh nice so he worked for Ben Gross Ben Gross is a big Hollywood engineer um, and so Grant was his assistant engineer and Grant worked on Marilyn Manson um, Rob Zombie uh, Nine Inch Nails kind of stuff quite a bit worked so worked with filter worked with rob zombie worked with marilyn manson and that's who clayton used to do the first cell dweller record so grant mixed and mastered that and grant was out of detroit area at the time so autumn assistant saved a bunch of money and we went up to detroit and we did three songs with grant and that became the primer ep and those songs because grant had worked on them got licensed by the same people that licensed cell dwellers music everywhere hmm nice but it was it was super expensive and we were paying out of pocket 
So right after that EP, the the lineup imploded, and uh, and I had to start over again. And I had had a wrist surgery, and when I had the wrist surgery, they intubated me, which means they put the breathing tube down your throat for the surgery. When they intubated me, they they ripped my vocal cord. Oh. Mm. And so I was not sure if I was ever going to be able to sing again. So this is 2005, 2006, around there. Um, I was between tours. We were in the middle of recording our next album. And um, I'd had that wrist surgery, and then I couldn't sing. And I uh, had to actually have another surgery to repair my vocal cord. And then I had to retrain myself how to sing. And that took almost another 10 years. So during that time period, digital technology caught up and we had things like auto-tune right <laughs> that made it so that i could do something really horrible in the studio and we could pitch correct it and make it sound a little bit better so we put an album out called character assassination in 2008 and um that album flopped it did not do well at all dead letters have been a smashing success character assassination flopped it it didn't we only played i think seven shows in support of it Wow. Yeah, it just did not. I had such high hopes for it. It didn't come out the way I wanted it to either. So here it is. I've got several recordings out, but none of them sound like I want them to sound. Hmm. But we're, okay. we're we're trying. Yep. So uh, new lineup. We tour for um, play it. Well, we, I don't know if you call seven shows a tour or not, but we did a few shows for character assassination. And then we went back in and re-recorded some of the songs from Dead Letters the way that we played them live. And released a self-titled album with new branding uh, in 2009 and played a few shows for that. Uh, supported that album for two years and did some pretty big shows, actually. We played uh, a couple of festivals that uh, we got, we got, you remember the band um, Viridia? Yep. yep. Heard of them? Oh, so yeah. the, lead, the lead singer of Viridia used to be in another band before that. And that band opened for us uh, on the road a couple of times. So, man, what do you want to talk about? Great voice. If you like what you saw today, hit the subscribe and like button down below and don't forget to share it to all your friends. Also, leave us a comment down below. If you're going to rock, rock for him.